Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. And what a life it is, Mike Manning. Well, it's Thursday. Yep. It gives us flexibility today because you're at home and I'm in the studio, lonely but working hard. Uh, and you did not have to call and get permission to be sick today, did you? I did not. And <laughs> I am unfortunately not sick, but have potentially been exposed to COVID. So I'm self-quarantining to keep everybody that I love and adore safe. And I should know shortly, within a day or two, whether or not my friend's test comes back positive. So in the meantime, it's just a lot of uh, working from home. Well, the good news, our, our guest today is bringing us great joy, and so I'm sure you'll feel better. I am super excited about this topic and today's guest, so let's introduce the very, 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 very special guest, Mr. Evans Putnam. Welcome to the show, Evans. Hey, thank you, Trinity. So hopefully everything's okay with you and your side. Sometimes I wouldn't mind self-quarantining just myself, just to have a little alone time, but you know. I feel like we've been in quarantine for long enough that I, and I'm missing out on a bunch of fun things that I would rather be doing than sitting at home. Yes, yes, definitely. I can agree to that for sure. So Mike, it's good to see you too. You too, Evans. Glad to have you. Hey, quick question. The first name Evans, is that a family name? It is, yes. Yes. So it's actually my middle name, but I don't give away my first name. So oh, unless you, you get, you got to be the government or, you know, my wife or my daughter, I guess the daughter's the boss. So she gets that, but you know, when everybody else just yeah. gets Evans. When did you, when did your wife, and by the way, you're married now, what a year and two, two months, something uh, like yeah, that. About, yeah. Yeah. yeah about right. that. Yeah. September, it, it, October. Yeah. Yep. Right. So at what point in time did you tell her what your first name is? Oh, I'm sure probably, probably already knew it because we went to high school together. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. So you can't, I mean, here's the thing. Like you, if, if you can remember, I, I I'm surprised I can remember that far back, but <laughs> every time the teacher went to, you know, the new, the new school year started, they'd start asking, you know, telling you to say, who's here, who's present. And they always called out my first name instead of my middle name. And I always had to do that up. Oh, I, yeah. I go by Evans thing. So everybody got a good laugh out of it. So I'm sure everybody that went to high school in my hometown, well, actually they've probably forgotten by now, but you know, <laughs> at the time they knew it. So did you choose to go by Evans or is that a parent parental decision? It was, I'm guessing it was parental because I don't ever remember making that choice, but yeah. I'm glad that it was uh, <laughs> made because I probably would have changed it at some point. Well, it's actually not that bad of a name. It's, no, it's no, just it's, different. Yeah. You don't yeah. see Evans as a first name very often. So I figured it might've been a yeah. family name. Yeah. Yeah. The right. first name in, in like the most horrible name ever, but yeah, just grow. I think it was the, the stigma of every new school year being <laughs> called by that name was so embarrassing at that age that it sort of carried on as this thing. Like I can't tell anybody that name. So, and I always get when Trinity and I meet somebody that doesn't know her, but they know me 
and I'll be with them several to talk and they'll go, tell Tiffany I said hi. I'm like, it's Trinity. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the name Tiffany, no. but I get called that all the time. <laughs> Not my name. <laughs> When I hear Trinity's name, I, I know you mentioned earlier, we were talking about NC State, the yep. Wolfpack, and that reminded me. I used to have a friend that lived off of, I don't remember if it's Trinity, I think it's Trinity Road Trinity right there Road, yeah. near the stadium. So, yeah, I remember that. That's that's immediately what pops in my mind. So I'll never mistake you for Tiffany because good. I'll just immediately think of that good memory. That's yeah, got to be was... the party street of the campus if it's named Trinity. Well, it's funny because I used to work off of Trinity and I was recently out with, um, you know, you know, Molly Snyder. So she's a client of mine and we're searching for a house for her. And we were driving down Trinity road and she was like, wait a second. I've always envisioned being on this road with you and having this moment. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was, it just made her day that we were on that street together. All right. Well, speaking of moments, Evans is one of those guys that small business people need to meet. And we'll get to all the accomplishments, hopefully, in the next three hours that he has. Uh, Don't know if that's going to be enough time to do that. But basically, (laughs) you and I met uh, through the podcasting world, and you help people monetize podcasts. But as I got to know you a little bit and researched you a little bit more, that's expanded that your world includes helping people online as well, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I've actually been in the online world for 20 years. So I've uh, launched multiple businesses, been a consultant, a marketing strategist and podcasting later on just became part of that journey. And I actually look at it in a way that, you know, our business, it was a business. It wasn't just a podcast. We actually built a, a sellable business, which was sold later. So for me, the podcast is not a separate entity, but actually an integral part of the business. So I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners to show them how they can sort of put that podcast in the middle and turn it into the engine for their revenue and leads and and growth of their business. Why does online scare us so much? It's like, oh my God, I don't know how to do it. It's going to be too labor intensive. I don't know what to write. I don't follow anything. Why does it scare us? You know, it could be, well, it's like anything that I actually just got off of a call with somebody. So this is a good example who had to basically get rid of her entire um, team. The team she was working with is a, a company she had hired because they just weren't doing what they promised. And I think a lot of times we run into that. And yes, we do that in the, the physical world too. It just seems so much easier for people to hide behind the, the name expert when they're online and so much easier for them to put themselves out there as being able to get you these results or to help you. And I think it's like a minefield sometimes. So I think that scares people, the unknown they think it has to be costly too, which it doesn't. They think it has to be complex, which I've found that simplicity is actually the secret to scalability and success. So uh, I think it's a it's a whole lot of, of confusion in what has been put out there and what people have experienced. So, but I think the more you sort of pull the curtain back that you see that, that you know, that 
being online is really, especially in these times, if you don't have that strategy, you can really fall behind as a, as a local business, as a online only business. It doesn't really matter. I always try to book people for the show that Trinity hasn't met that she'll connect with. And you fit that category, Evans, for three reasons. One is you just mentioned the world word scalability, which Trinity's done that before. Both of you have real estate ties because she's a kick-ass realtor in the area here. And three is you're, you went to NC State and she loves state. So I, I just may as well bow out of this conversation right here. <laughs> And I plan on taking some courses at NC State just so I can say I went there. <laughs> there you go. Yes, that, it was actually my second choice, but uh, it was my best choice. So I, I, I had a different experience my first go round in college. Then I came back and I got finally figured out the way the world works and got smart and uh, <laughs> went to went to a better university the second go round. Well, I picked a very small college. Um, and on purpose because I went to a really small high school and I liked being the queen bee in a small pond. Um, (laughs) And I love all the individualized attention, (laughs) but if I hadn't gone to Aquinas college, I probably would have gone somewhere like NC state Evans, you know, obviously you're on our podcast. We've had our podcast now for about a year, some change. Um, We have been getting some listeners, which is awesome. We have some very avid listeners who listen to every single episode. But what would your top piece of advice for a podcast such as ours be? Um, I'll go back. This is goes back right to the discussion I had before with a coaching client of mine. And what I like to tell people that I've learned through experience, the, the best way to grow is to leverage what I call OPA, other people's audiences. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be, and when people hear that a lot of times, like actually somebody I know uh, recently that we had this discussion, he posted in a group, uh, OPP, other people's podcasts. I was like, no, 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 you heard me <laughs> wrong. It's not just podcasts, it's other people's audiences. So learning to leverage uh, you know, being guests on other podcasts is very important for growing mm-hmm. your podcast, but also there's other thing, other things out there that people forget about. And one that we used was a specific content marketing strategy where we went out and took our, our podcast player, not to get too technical for people, but just getting our little piece of code and go put it into a written blog post and a written article like on LinkedIn, on Medium, on for us, we went to Inman.com. We did a lot of articles for Inman.com in the real estate world because that Mm -hmm. was our audience. And we would slap that podcast player right there in that content on their site. So we borrowed their audiences to get their eyes and ears on our content. So that was really a, a, one of our fastest ways to start growing because our podcast was stagnant at the time and was not growing. And within about six months of being a little more proactive, doing those types of things, we quickly got to 75,000 monthly listeners. And then right after that to 150,000 monthly listeners on average. So it's being proactive. First of all, that's, that's the thing that I think 
so many business owners and I ran across this. It doesn't matter who I work with or what industry. There's always people that think, you know, especially in the online world, well, I can just put something up and all of a sudden I'm going to get magically all this traffic show. Right. It takes effort. It's just like being in the offline world. You, you have to, you know, you have to put your sign up that says you're open, but you also have to reach out to people where they are and get them in your door. Very true. Um, I think there's a lot of people that have awesome ideas and great content, but aren't getting the visibility because they just don't know how to go about doing it. Yeah. And also leveraging, you know, one thing that we did really well that I tell people is to leverage your guests and their audiences, you know, really Mm -hmm. make it easy for them to help them promote for you. Um, Make it, you know, because you're giving them a platform like such as me being on this, giving me the opportunity to speak. And we found that once we made it really easy for them to promote by giving them emails, giving them a plan and saying, Hey, this is the email that goes out this day. This is the one that goes out this day. And all you have to do is copy and paste it. You don't have to do anything else. If you make it that ridiculously simple and give them some downloadable assets like images, things like that, that are already created. So they don't have to do anything except for, post it. And here's a tip. If you make them look good on those graphics, like pull a quote that makes them sound really smart and put their picture on it, they're more likely to share it. Uh, It's just, you know, the human condition. So there's a lot of ways that you can do it and do it in an authentic way just to, to leverage other people and let them help you grow. It's similar to, you know, being a real estate agent. When I was working with real estate agents, a lot of the people that we talk to on our podcast would come on and share how they got so many, so much of their business on referrals. So basically leveraging other people's audiences in the real world, leveraging their past clients, their friends, their family to bring referrals to them. So it's, it's not much different. It's just a different way of looking at it. And that can work. What the model you're talking about leveraging other people's audiences, even if you don't have a podcast, you should be doing that. Yeah, local business. I mean, think about like the the best business and even in, you know, the online world, the offline world, the it's so much easier to turn a lead into a sale or into, you know, a customer or a client when they're referred by somebody because they trust that person. Mm-hmm. And um it's the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're doing it through a podcast, it doesn't matter if you're doing it through a local business, whatever it is, like when somebody I mean, one of the biggest things, especially in our, we have a neighborhood Facebook group and the first thing people do, it's like, Hey, I need a plumber Mm. or, Hey, I need to get some windows replaced at my house or, Hey, I'm looking for a real estate agent. I'm going to list my house. They ask their neighbors and their neighbors refer all these people to them and then they make the choice, but they trust those people. The trust level is so much higher because of the referral. And it's the right. same thing in the podcast world. It's the same thing in the, the local business world. Is this the advice you would have given day one Evans? Probably. Yeah. It's not something that I just learned overnight. <laughs> That's the thing too, is that I think it's funny because I go on a lot of podcasts and like, you know, Oh, you made all this money through your business. through a podcast, you had all these listeners and I tell them it's like, well, yeah, it's like anything you see, me holding up the the award, you know, like I don't have it. I have my little 
trophy, pretend trophy here, world's best dad from my daughter, but I don't have it on my desk. So don't tell her it's ever on that other desk. But, uh, you know, you see me holding the trophy, but you don't see like anything. You don't see the hard work, the mistakes, the failures. I mean, we came, we were at one point where we were about a month away from just shutting everything down, you know, because there was no growth and there was no consistent revenue to support the business that we had. And we were, I mean, we were about a month from shutting it down. And all it took was just to keep pushing through and keep trying new things and keep learning. And then we hit that one piece of momentum and it started changing things. And then it just kept going from there and there and there. That's a great learning um, moment for others that in the real estate world where a lot of coaching, I would see agents that would build up, um, a really great pipeline, but they weren't getting paid because we get paid after the fact uh, once everything closes. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, we're not, there's a lot of work we do where we don't get paid at all. And I would see agents that were at like month 12 to 18 where they put in all this upfront effort. And if they would have just stuck with it a couple more months, they would corner, but they gave up just a little too early right before that pop would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that a lot too. in the entrepreneurs online, just almost in any space, it's, it's exactly what you said. And a lot of times it comes from, you know, being willing to do that upfront work, being willing to serve without any expectation mm -hmm. in return. And yes, it's a business and yes, you have to make money, but there always is that point of, if you, if you serve with selflessly without expectation, then what's going to happen? Those people that you help, they're going to be the ones that refer you possibly that big client that pushes you over the edge. And it's all because you did that upfront work and you kept going. And um, yeah, it's a big, that was, I would say that was one of our biggest lessons. And the other one was to not be afraid of failing. You know, if something doesn't work, guess what? It's like, who cares? We put up a landing page and it didn't get us leads. And it's like, instead of, you know, thinking, oh, we got to burn down the building, just try something different. <laughs> and right. I have to admit, I was, I was really guilty of that earlier in my career where, you know, I put something, I'm like, okay, I've got this great idea and we do it. And if it didn't get the results I expected, it was almost like, oh, well, that's never going to work. But the funny thing is, is that a lot of times you may have just been off by a little bit where you tweak one little part of it. And then it could have worked brilliantly. And I learned, I, I credit my business partner from that uh, podcast that we, in our business, I credit him for, you know, helping me be successful in that regards and switching my mindset. Cause he was very much just, just try it, throw it at the wall. If it fails, guess what? It's, it's data. It's a learning experience. We try the yeah. next thing. Um, so yeah, so I have to give him a lot of credit for that. I think that perseverance is absolutely key to any small business owner's success. Um, I love the, the 212 books and the premise. There's a marketing company called 212, and their whole premise is that at 212 degrees, water boils. And water, when it boils, creates steam, and steam can, you know, power a, a train engine. And yeah. there's only, there's only, you know, the difference between 211 and 212 is just that tiny extra little bit. It's just waiting that extra moment 
And how do you get to that 212? You might be, you might be right there, but pushing through is just, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, Mike and I have talked about this within our business. There's been things that we've tried that we're like, oh yeah, this is the next best great idea. And then we're like, well, that fell flat or it just, for pardon my French, freaking sucked. Um, and then we have to recalibrate and try something different because, but um, I was listening to something um, yesterday and one of the newscasters said stick to and that word stuck with me, one, because it's not a real word. And second, because that's what we really need is stick to in order to, to persevere and to be able to handle enough rejection. Because even if you're not in a sales role and you're running a small business, you're still facing rejection every time your website doesn't get enough hits or you try something and it falls flat. It might not be rejection from one individual person, but it can feel like a rejection overall. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I love that analogy too. Cause I mean, how many times have you sat there staring at the water, waiting <laughs> it for it to boil and then you like blink and it's like and I'm saying over, it's boiling, it's everywhere. boiling over the edge. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great analogy. I might have to swipe that and use it myself. Mm -hmm. And, point, so. and to add on to that, I always think when you have a pot of water that's boiling, you can't boil it forever. It'll get burned off. So that's, that's like us business owners. You can only go at that level for so long before you have to add more water to the pot. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that takes me back to something, another big lesson I learned that we touched on earlier was the simplicity aspect and um, one of the other reasons why we struggled so much, even when we were about to shut it down, was because we had so many different things we were offering. We had so many products and services. We had so many online funnels. We had so many people we were trying to, to speak to. And we boiled it all down. There we go. See, do you like that? I used it. Boiled I it all down. Yeah. To, uh, I didn't even mean to, but <laughs> but we boiled it down to focusing on one core, what we called a listener customer because we were coming through our podcast, but one core person, one core platform, which was our podcast, one core funnel. So we gave them one way to buy from us, and then one core premium offer where we started selling something that was more expensive, but it provided a bigger result and more value for our customer. And when we mm -hmm. sort of put it down into those four core things, it was just what basically from having chaos to simplicity, that was the second thing that sort of gave us a launching pad with our revenue and our growth. And you would and think it would be the opposite, right? You think that the more, right. the more, the more you do, but it was actually the less that helped us grow. I mean, that's the entire principle um, behind good to great is that you figure out what your hedgehog is and you, you stick to that. And you don't, we talked on our last podcast about that as small business owners, we get distracted by shiny new ideas and things that take our attention off the ball. And I love, love, love the principles behind good to great because when you're in your wheelhouse and you're sticking to something that's proven that you know is your unique value proposition, it can, it can get boring and we're creatives, you know, business owners are, are visionaries. And 
I think one of the things that fails so many businesses is that is ourselves and that we want to constantly be creating things. And once you start a small business, that creativeness kind of goes away until you have something in place where you're scaling it or you're improving processes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I'm guilty of that 100% myself too. And that was really what gave us so much trouble. And it's funny because I think about online businesses, it's not necessarily, I mean, and, and offline businesses, local businesses, and especially when I refer back to real estate agents, because that was our, we, our mm-hmm. podcast was called real estate rock stars, where we, we brought agents on who were very successful and our, our, our ideal client were growth focused real estate agents who were found the importance of family and freedom of their time over working 70 hours a week. Right. right. So, but there were agents that came on and they told their stories and the ones that were most successful, not only did they have like a unique uh, selling, selling proposition or offer something that way, they all had one core way of getting clients too. Like some of them would come on and they would talk about how they just used um, cold calling, just outbound cold calling. Another, I mean, even in, in today's time, this might not work as good, but door knocking, right? And you're thinking, mm-hmm. we're in the online world. Why would you do that? You could go get leads from here and do this. And it's like, because that's where I got all my business. So I just doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on that and let all the shiny objects fall away. So it's the same thing with local businesses. If you're doing something that's working and bringing people in the door, leads in the door, then don't start thinking you can do better over here, 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 and here. Start really trying to scale that first until you get that to a point where you just know month in and month out, you've sort of hit your max, but it runs on autopilot, and then you can try something else. But I think the focus, staying focused on what works is, is huge because, like I said, if you get out and start getting too complex, in any aspect of your business and you're going to take away, well, my coach, he does a great example of this. I'm going to interrupt myself, but he does a great example where he draws a circle and he calls it the circle of focus, right? And he starts putting on there, what if you're really great at Facebook ads? And so you put Facebook ads in there and then all of a sudden you decide you want to do email marketing and this and this, and all of a sudden that circle has been broken up into all these pieces of the pie. So your attention has to go in all those spaces. So until you get this one thing dialed in that's really working and scale it to the max, you should just stick in that in that zone. It doesn't matter what, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an online entrepreneur, a local business or what. That's just one thing that we learned over time the hard way. Almost the really hard way, but luckily we were <laughs> luckily we we got smart at the last second and figured things out. Yeah, and lucky for us that we're here to learn from you. So <laughs> And I could not agree more. Um, It sounds like you had a really good coach. I love that idea of thinking of the the pie and then the only way to achieve success with that many different things is just to make the pie bigger. And then at some point you don't have the capacity to be able to handle that many different things. Yeah. And I think a lot that too depends on what is the lifestyle you want. And to me, that's like, Mm -hmm a huge part of being an entrepreneur and a business owner that we have to really take into consideration before we start our business, actually, you know, if you, if you could back it up and do that, because if you can realize, okay, I want to spend this much time with my family. I want to do this. I want to have this freedom. 
then what I found, and, and this was, I'm guilty of this 100%, is that I actually created a, a job where I worked more hours and got paid less than when I was actually in the nine to five world, right? So yeah. it's like, why would you do that? So the really the smart thing to do is to, to think about, you know, okay, I want success, but what is the cost to time and freedom? Because obviously time is something that you cannot get back. So if you figure out that lifestyle ahead of time, and that's the great thing about my business partner in the past, he was a real estate agent before he retired. And he went from working almost seven days a week, wasn't making a lot of money, was missing out on his daughters growing up. So he figured out a way, he sort of backed it up and said, this is the life I want. How do I get that and still be successful over here? And when he did that, he was able to dial it back and only work four days a week and ended up, you know, skyrocketing his income because he Mm -hmm. figured out how to be more effective while still getting to see his daughters grow up. So I think that's an important lesson for everybody to think about the lifestyle they want before they just dive headfirst into a business. It's our opening tagline that we help people achieve that desired lifestyle. And I don't think anyone gets into this to feel like they're grinding 24 seven and not getting anywhere. Um, I am a big proponent of what I call the temporary grind, where you know that you're giving up something temporarily to build up enough, you know, like saving money. The more I save now, save early and save often, then that money's working for me. It's the same if you go out and do, if you door knock a thousand doors, that's going to get you much more leverage up front than if you only knocked 50. But you can only sustain that for a certain period of time, not seeing your family, not exercising, not doing the things that help you to have a healthy and happy lifestyle. This is a question that I have, um, and then we can answer Mike's question. But what's the most interesting podcast you've been on as a guest? Can I include one that I was a part of myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I say that is that this, um, because this, this one no longer, well, I'm sure it still exists out there and I can't even remember exactly what it was called, but a friend of mine and I, he's an entrepreneur as well. We just, and he had his own podcast and we just decided one day we, were, we would have these calls like these sort of get togethers because you know how lonely it can be working behind a computer all the time. So we sort of connected once a week thinking, you know, this is great. And we hit it off. Um, He much, and the fun thing is, is it much different age range? He's probably 20 years younger than me at least. Um, But we decided we were just going to start this podcast. We were both from the South. So we talk a little slow. So we had a timer, right? We said, we're going to set a timer. And I think it was, either 10 minutes, 20 minutes, I don't remember exactly, but we would get a book and we started reading a book. It was a marketing book. We just grabbed one off the shelf and we each read a chapter, didn't discuss it beforehand, and then just jumped on the call and or on the, the podcast and started talking. And like he would give his perspective, I would give mine. And it just turned into this really natural flowing fun thing where we had, I mean, it was funny. Like I had this funny, like skull head 
cane thing over in the corner and I'd bring it up and it danced in front. It had a name that he called it by this name. And he's like, you know, is he going to join us today? And it was just, <laughs> it turned into this crazy, fun, wacky, natural thing that we did. And we, then we didn't want to stop doing it because we were just having so much fun. So we never had any intent or purpose in it. And it just became this interesting, fun conversation with a friend. But the nice thing about it too was we were reading the same exact words on the page and just to hear the different perspective on what those words were, I learned a lot and I don't know if he learned a lot from me or not. Cause I was sort of the, the jokester in the group, but you know, I definitely learned, a, I learned a different thought process about the same thing I had just read the week before. And so that was really fun. It was a fun, interesting experiment. When clients come to you, what's the, the common question they have for you? Well, the majority of them are like, how can I make more money with this podcast? How can I grow this podcast? Because that seems like that's the majority of people I work with are already podcasting entrepreneurs. And that those are two of their biggest hangups. It's like, how can we get more people in the door? How can we get more traffic? And how can I make money on it? You know, and what I teach is I teach them how to do it without getting ads and sponsors like that, but by selling their own services, their own products, their own authority. Um, you know, even if it's a real estate agent, I've had real estate agent clients of mine where I'm like, look, you may not think that having a podcast local in your area is going to provide you a lot of, you know, authority, but it will. It's going to make you stand out differently than other people in your your area. So I think it's really just, you know, if you boil it down to one thing, it's like, can you help me make more money for my business? But, um, but yeah, those are usually the two biggest questions. How do you grow? How do I get more traffic? How do I get more listeners? How do I uh, make more money? And it's true what you say about the podcast, because when I'm on networking events more locally than nationally, now that I branched out and, and, we met through the van through the grand connection out of Vancouver, even though we're in North Carolina and you're in South Carolina, which I did not know at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, isn't that crazy? We, we met through, meet through a Canadian networking group that I, know. <laughs> that I don't even have a part of, yeah. um, which is even funnier. So yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and we found out too, I'll throw this out there too, that you and I talked that we actually, uh, we were sort of rivals. Yes. Even though we didn't go to, to different high schools. I coached high school basketball in the area where you went to high school yep. and your team was your high school was like one of our biggest rivals yep. just because they were so good. I don't know if that's a natural rivalry, but I know the yeah. school you went to had a great basketball team and they always seemed to be our nemesis. Yes. Evans w coached at Broughton and I went to Millbrook. So as long as you didn't go to Sanderson and only the local people will get that, but we will move on. <laughs> Uh, but going back to the networking events, especially locally, I'm more likely to get introduced as a podcaster than a business coach. So going back That's to your point, yeah, they say, well, Mike's got a, do you know, Mike's got a podcast before they even tell anybody what, what I do. Like talk to Mike, he's good. He and Trinity have a cool podcast. Yeah. And it's great it, that the great thing about that is, is that we haven't really talked about is networking, mm -hmm. expanding your network. I mean, like you and I would have never probably never met in this great mm -hmm. wide world of Trinity. Obviously I wouldn't have ever met somebody yeah. that's named after one of my favorite roads and <laughs> that brings back fond memories of college days. And, 
you know, I mean, but it is networking for business too. It, it creates so many business opportunities just by networking. It's like, Hey, do you know so-and-so just like I get off a call with a client, a coaching client of mine. And I'm like, you're in the parenting space. She works with, with, um, parents. And I was like, I know somebody over here that has a parenting part. Let me introduce you to, and then it's, it's just a, you know, a great networking tool and networking opportunity, even locally when you have, you know, you're going to local events, like you said. And you talk about being a degree or two off and Trinity and I tell this story. When we first started, we wanted to do face-to-face coaching in the triangle, which is Raleigh, Durham and Chapel Hill area. And COVID mm-hmm. changed everything for us. Oh yeah. I would, yeah. You, we would, you would not be on this show today if it weren't for COVID. I think I can comfortably say that because I wouldn't mm-hmm. have gone looking for other networking groups. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you what's amazing too, is that I have actually made more connections through people I would have never met, you know, and expanded my circle while we've been in this sort of situation since last March or whenever it was that we were in the pandemic. So it's, it's amazing. It's almost that my network has expanded and I've attended more. I'm the kind of person that I don't really enjoy like real world networking events, but online ones I'm in here, I'm on podcasts, I'm on summits, I'm in networking groups and it's been huge. It's been, it's been crazy how many new people I've met because we've all been sort of forced to gather around this thing in front of us, the <laughs> mm-hmm. screen and talk to each other. And we laughed about this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago is it, it took about a, about a, a couple of weeks to dawn on me how much driving I did in the wasted time <laughs> driving. And like, so from now on, if I meet somebody that there might be a little bit of a chance, don't know yet the first meeting, even if they live down the road, the first meeting is zoom. And then if we yeah. chat and find out, Hey, there's something here. Then I'll likely say, Hey, let's get together. Now, if Trinity says, Hey, you need to go meet Evans, just call him up and meet him wherever he wants to beat you. I'll do that. But if, if I meet somebody there's, eh, let's see. Oh yeah. First meetings by zoom. No questions asked. Where's your no. zoom jar, Mike? <laughs> so funny story here, Evans. I don't know. Drago, where's my zoom jar? So Trinity's husband, Scott works for go to meeting and uh-huh. I do just zoom and Scott's tired of me mentioning the competition. And so he made me a curse jar, only scratched out the swear. <laughs> it's a swear jar, crossed out swear and put in Zoom. I'm supposed to put money in there. I don't know where the jar is, Trinity. I forgot all about it. So, oh, man. Sorry, Scott. It's okay. He gets you the owe money. me 50 cents. I do. Yeah, I do. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> so I'm more inclined to do a virtual meeting the first time out before there I drive somewhere. So. Well, who get who's getting the... Um, the windfall of this jar once you guys decide to close it up. Oh, not. It says on the jar it's for Jeep proceeds yeah. because I bought my husband a Jeep for his wedding gift. And it's yeah. his, I didn't know when I bought it that I was buying him a hobby. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that Jeep, um, by the time he's done with it, it's going to, he's put a lot of money into it and continues yeah. putting a lot of trinkets and toys and. and- Here's yeah, here's I, what I, I learned one myself too. Well, so here, you do what kind do you have? Mine. Uh, see here here's where your, your your husband would be like, what is wrong with him? Because I don't do mine's just a Jeep Wrangler 2005, mm-hmm. right? 2005. Yep, 2005. And guess where it came from? Where? Somebody that went to UNC Chapel Hill. <laughs> 
<laughs> so here I am riding around in somebody's car that was like my biggest rival school. But yes, that's where, of all places, it ended up down here in Charleston, South Carolina. And it was, it was somebody who I believe was in college because they d- had no miles on it whatsoever. They just must have driven it there from their home, parked it, and then they walked around on Franklin Street all the time. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not one of the the crazy Jeep people. I have it because I live at the beach, which I love. Mm-hmm. But it, one thing I do like though is like when you're riding down the road, I've got so many friends because every time you pass a Jeep, it's like the hey, Jeep hey, hey, hey. <laughs> now the one thing I've learned about Jeep ownership is. We coach our clients to find a niche market. This Jeep thing is an underworld. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's tentacles to this Jeep uh, community. Scott gets all these Jeep magazines, and he's always showing me these things, and he's like, isn't this really cool? And I'm like, don't you already have that? You have wheels already. Why do you need new wheels? Why do you, you know, why do you need a crazy new exhaust system you have an exhaust system but i mean i guess it's well, better than you. having like a drug addiction or something so. yeah. what well, one thing i like about it is that, that there are people like your husband that dive deep into it and they they post all these videos whenever there's issues with their jeep they fix it themselves they video it so whenever yep. i run into anything it's like hmm i'm not going to even take that into the store or to the shop i'm just going to like look online first and I found most of my Jeep repairs by going to YouTube from all these Jeep enthusiasts. So they've saved me a lot of money instead of me spending it. It, it, There is an entire wealth of everything you need to know about fixing your Jeep on YouTube. (laughs) And you could spend as And well, the other thing I've learned from Trinity through Scott is you could spend about the same amount of money on a Jeep as you do on a house if you wanted to. Oh yeah. I think, even like having a child probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, you know, I'm so glad that the Jeep doesn't have to go to college because it is, it's an expensive habit. That is for the sure. college, the college fund is going into the Jeep. It is. <laughs> well, Evans, we've enjoyed this very much. Where can people find you to get more tips like this? Well, I would say probably the best place I always tell people to go online if they want to speak is to come on Facebook and just come to my Facebook profile um, and shoot me a message. As long as you're not trying to sell me Bitcoin investments, yeah. I'm fine with it. But I, cause I actually like this, I like to not just connect, but to actually have a conversation. So yeah. for me, it's there, you know, obviously a lot of business owners are listening so they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm not as active. I probably should be on there. I'm, maybe I'll get Mike and Trinity to give me some tips and then um. You know, if anybody wants to learn more about how I help entrepreneurs grow, then they can come. I've got a case study video, excuse me, over at dreamclientsforlife.com forward slash Pat. So it's dreamclientsforlife.com forward slash Pat. And it's a success study video where I share how my client went from no online experience to uh, half a million dollars in 12 months without paid ads. So it's a little system we put together all through using a podcast at its hub. Awesome. Very that, nice. I'm sure that we'll have a lot of people check that out. And of course, if you get in contact with Evans, let him know that you found him on this podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And if you have questions for us, you can find us online on Facebook. And also, as Evan said, we are on LinkedIn. Mike is the LinkedIn guru of this partnership. 
And of course, you can always email us info at wiredtochange.com. And that's with the number two. And go check out mm-hmm. our mastermind groups we have scheduled. Go to our website and also our Pitch Your Niche program so you can have a better elevator pitch and connect with people and get some new clients that you wouldn't have gotten because you used 28 seconds of corporate speak and they didn't connect with you. So, <laughs> uh, Evans, again, we appreciate having you on today. Good luck with everything. I'm sure we'll be in touch down the road. Definitely. Thanks, Mike and Trinity. Thanks for having me. It's good to connect with some, my, my old stomping ground, I guess, as they <laughs> would say in the South, right? We're, uh, yep, we're glad to invite you back. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.